0: section twenty one masterpieces of negro eloquence edited by alice dunbar nelson this librivox recording is in the public domain the negro as a soldier by christian a fleetwood christian a fleetwood sergeant-major united states volunteer infantry eighteen sixty three to eighteen sixty six received a medal of honor from congress for meritorious action in saving the colors at chapin farm september twenty ninth eighteen sixty four where he seized them after two color bearers had been shot down and bore them throughout the fight also has a general b f butler medal for bravery and courage before richmond for sixteen hundred years prior to the war between great britain and the colonies the pages of history bear no record of the negro as a soldier tracing his separate history in the revolutionary war is a task of much difficulty for the reason that while individual instances of valor and patriotism abound there were so few separate bodies of negro troops that no separate record appears to have been made the simple fact is that the fathers as a rule enlisted men both for the army and navy just as now it is only continued by the navy that is to say they were assigned wherever needed without regard to race or color varner's rhode island battalion appears to have been the only large aggregation of negroes in this war though connecticut new york and new hampshire each furnished one separate company in addition to individuals scattered through their other organizations so that ere the close of the war there were very few brigades regiments or companies in which the negro was not in evidence the free negro appears to have gone in from the beginning without attracting or calling out special comment later as men grew scarcer and necessity more pressing slaves were taken in also and then the trouble began those who held slaves did not care to lose them in this way others who had not did not think it just the thing in a war for avowed freedom to place an actual slave in the ranks to fight some did not want the negro bonded or free to take part as a soldier in the struggle so that in may seventeen seventy five the massachusetts committee of safety voted that thereafter only free men should be enlisted in july general gates issued an order prohibiting further enlistments of negroes but saying nothing of those already in the service in october a council of war presided over by general washington comprising three major generals and six brigadier generals voted unanimously against the enlistment of slaves and by a decided majority against further enlistments of negroes ten days later in a conference held at cambridge Massachusetts, participated in by general washington benjamin franklin benjamin harrison thomas lynch and the deputy governors of connecticut and rhode island a similar action was taken on the seventh november seventeen seventy five earl dundore commanding the force of his majesty the king issued a proclamation offering freedom and equal pay to all slaves who would join his armies as soldiers it did not take the colonists long to find out their mistake although general washington in accordance with the expressed will of his officers and of the committee of safety did on the seventeenth of november seventeen seventy five issue a proclamation forbidding the further enlistment of negroes less than two months later that is to say on the thirtieth of december seventeen seventy five he issued a second proclamation again authorizing the enlistment of free negroes he advised congress of his action and stated that he would recall it if so directed but he was not the splendid service rendered by the negro and the great and pressing need of men were such that although the opposition continued from some sections it was not thereafter strong enough to obtain recognition so the negroes went and came much as other men in all the events of the war from bunker hill to yorktown they bore an honorable part the history of the doings of the armies is their history as in everything they took part and did their share their total enlistment was about three thousand men a very fair percentage for the population of that period i might instance the killing of major pitcairn at bunker hill by peter salem and of major montgomery at fort griswold by jordan freeman the part they took in the capture of major-general prescott at newport their gallant defense of colonel greene their beloved commander when he was surprised and murdered at croton river may thirteenth seventeen eighty one when it was only after the last of his faithful guards had been shot and cut down that he was reached or the battle of rhode island when a battalion of four hundred negroes withstood three separate and distinct charges from one thousand five hundred hessians under count Knop and beat them back with such tremendous loss that count denop at once applied for an exchange fearing that his men would kill him if he went into battle with them again for having exposed them to such slaughter and many other instances that are of record the letter following written december five seventeen seventy five explains itself to the Honorable General Court of the Massachusetts Bay, the subscribers beg leave to report to your honorable House, which we do in justice to the character of so brave a man, that under our own observation we declare that a Negro man named Salem Poor of Colonel Fry's regiment, Captain Ames' company, in the late battle at Charleston, behaved like an experienced officer as well as an excellent soldier. To set forth particulars of his conduct would be tedious we would only beg to say in the person of this negro centres a brave and gallant soldier the reward due to so great and distinguished a character we submit to congress this is a splendid and well-attested tribute to a gallant and worthy negro there were many such but beyond receiving and reading no action was taken thereon by congress there is no lack of incidents and the temptation to quote many of them is great but the time allotted me is too brief for extended mention and i must bring this branch of my subject to a close it is in evidence that while so many negroes were offering their lives a willing sacrifice for their country in some sections the officers of the continental forces received their bounty and pay in negroes grown and small instead of dollars and cents fighting for liberty and taking pay in slaves when the war was over the freemen returned to meet their same difficulties the slaves were caught when possible and re-enslaved by their former masters in boston a few years later we find a party of black patriots of the revolution mobbed on boston common while celebrating the anniversary of the abolition of the slave trade the captain of a vessel trading along the coast tells of a negro who had fought in the war and been distinguished for bravery and soldierly conduct he was reclaimed and re-enslaved by his master after the war and served faithfully until old age rendered him useless the master then brought the poor old slave to this captain and asked him to take him along on his trip and try to sell him the captain hated to sell a man who had fought for his country but finally agreed took the poor old man to mobile and sold him for a hundred dollars to a man who put him to attending a chicken coop his former master continued to draw the old slave's pension as a soldier in the revolution until he died the war of eighteen twelve was mainly fought upon the water and in the american navy at that time the negro stood in the ratio of about one to six we find record of complaint by commodore perry at the beginning because of the large number of negroes sent him but later the highest tribute to their bravery and efficiency captain shaler of the armed brig general thompson writing of an engagement between his vessel and a british frigate says the name of one of my poor fellows who was killed ought to be registered in the book of fame and remembered as long as bravery is a virtue he was a black man by name john johnson a twenty-four pound shot struck him in the hip and took away all the lower part of his body in this state the poor brave fellow lay on the deck and several times exclaimed to his shipmates fire away my boys nor haul a color down another black man by the name of john davis who was struck in much the same manner repeatedly requested to be thrown overboard saying that he was only in the way of the others i know of nothing finer in history than these incidents of valor and patriotism as before the negro was not universally welcomed to the ranks of the american army but later continued reverses and a lack of enthusiasm in enlistments made it necessary to seek his aid and from mobile alabama on september twenty one eighteen fourteen general jackson issued a stirring call to the free colored people of louisiana for aid in a remarkably short period two battalions were raised under majors lacaste and Savory, which did splendid service in the battle of new orleans New York enrolled two battalions and sent them to Sackett's Harbor. Pennsylvania enrolled 2,400 and sent them to Gray's Ferry at the capture of Washington to prepare for the invading column. Another battalion also was raised armed, equipped, and ready to start to the front when peace was declared. In one of the actions of this war, a charging column of the American army was repulsed and thrown into great disorder. A Negro private named Jeffreys, seeing the disaster, sprang upon a horse and by heroic effort, rallied the troops led them back upon a second charge and completely routed the enemy he was rewarded by general jackson with the honorary title of major under the laws he could not commission him when the war was over this gallant man returned to his home in nashville tennessee where he lived for years afterward highly respected by its citizens of all races at the age of seventy years this black hero was obliged in self-defense to strike a white ruffian who had assaulted him under the laws of the state he was arrested and given nine-and-thirty lashes on his bare back it broke his heart and major jeffries died it seems a little singular that in the tremendous struggle between the states in eighteen sixty one to eighteen sixty five the south should have been the first to take steps toward the enlistment of negroes yet such is the fact two weeks after the fall of fort Sumter, the charleston mercury records the passing through augusta of several companies of the third and fourth georgia regiment and of sixteen well-drilled companies and one negro company from nashville tennessee the memphis avalanche and the memphis appeal of may nine ten and eleven eighteen sixty one gave notice of the appointment by the committee of safety of a committee of three persons to organize a volunteer company composed of our patriotic freemen of color of the city of memphis for the service of our common defense a telegram from new orleans dated november twenty three eighteen sixty one notes the review by governor Moore of over twenty eight thousand troops and that one regiment comprised one thousand four hundred colored men the new orleans picayune referring to a review held february ninth eighteen sixty two says we must also pay a deserved compliment to the companies of free colored men all very well drilled and comfortably equipped it is a little odd too that in the evacuation of new orleans a little later in april eighteen sixty two all of the troops succeeded in getting away except the negroes they got left it is not in our line to speculate upon what would have been the result of the war had the south kept up this policy enlisted the freemen and emancipated the enlisting slaves and their families the immense addition to their fighting force the quick recognition of them by great britain to which slavery was the greatest bar and the fact that the heart of the negro was with the south but for slavery and the case stands clear but the primary successes of the south closed its eyes to its only chance of salvation while at the same time the eyes of the north were opened in eighteen sixty five the south saw and endeavored to remedy its error on march ninth eighteen sixty five the confederate congress passed a bill recommended by general lee authorizing the enlistment of two hundred thousand negroes but it was then too late the north came slowly and reluctantly to recognize the negro as a factor for good in the war this is a white man's war met the negroes at every step of their first efforts to gain admission to the armies of the union to general david hunter more than to any other one man is due the credit for the successful entry upon the stage of the negro as a soldier in this war in the spring of eighteen sixty two he raised and equipped a regiment of negroes in south carolina and when the fact became known in washington and throughout the country such a storm was raised about the ears of the administration that they gracefully stood aside and left the brave general to fight his enemies in the front and rear as best he might he was quite capable to do both as it proved the beginning of eighteen sixty three saw the opening of the doors to the negro in every direction general lorenzo thomas went in person to the valley of the mississippi to supervise it there massachusetts was authorized to fill its quota with negroes the states of maryland missouri delaware and tennessee were thrown open by order of the war department and all slaves enlisting therefrom declared free ohio connecticut pennsylvania new york joined the band and sent the stalwart black boy in blue to the front singing give us a flag all free without a slave for two years the fierce and determined opposition had kept them out but now the bars were down and they came pouring in some one said he cared not who made the laws of a people if he could make their songs a better exemplification of this would be difficult to find than is the song written by miles o'reilly colonel halpine of the old tenth army corps i cannot resist the temptation to quote it here with general hunter's letter and this song to quote from the episode was closed some say it is a burning shame to make the naggers fight and that the trade of being killed belongs but to the white. but as for me upon me soul so liberal are we here i'll let sambo be murthered in place of meself on every day of the year on every day of the year boys and every hour in the day the right to be killed i'll divide with him and divil a word i'll say in battle's wild commotion i shouldn't at all object if sambo's body should stop a ball that was coming for me direct and the prod of a southern bayonet so liberal are we here i'll resign and let sambo take it on every day of the year on every day in the year boys and with none of your nasty pride all right and southern bayonet prod with sambo i'll divide the men who object to sambo should take his place and fight and it is better to have a nager's hue than a liver that's weak and white though sambo's black as the ace of spades his finger a thriger can pull and his eye runs straight on the barrel side from under its thatch of wool so hear me all boys darlin don't think i'm tipping you chap the right to be killed i'll divide with him and give him the largest half it took three years of war to place the enlisted negro upon the same ground as the enlisted white man as to pay in emoluments perhaps six years of war might have given him shoulder-straps but the war ended without authorization of law for that step at first they were received under an act of congress that allowed each one without regard to rank ten dollars per month three dollars thereof to be retained for clothing and equipments i think it was in may eighteen sixty four when the act was passed equalizing the pay but not opening the doors to promotion under an act of the confederate congress making it a crime punishable with death for any white person to train negroes or mulattoes to arms or aid them in any military enterprise and devoting the negro caught under arms to the tender mercies of the present or future laws of the state in which caught a large number of promotions were made by the way of a rope and a tree along the first year of the negro service i can even recall one instance as late as april eighteen sixty five though it had been long before then generally discontinued what the negro did how he did it and where it would take volumes to properly record i can however give but briefest mention to a few of the many evidences of his fitness for the duties of the war and his aid to the cause of the union the first fighting done by organized negro troops appears to have been done by company a first south carolina negro regiment at st helena island november three to 1862, while participating in an expedition along the coast of georgia and florida under lieutenant colonel o t beard of the forty eighth new york infantry who says in this report the colored men fought with astonishing coolness and bravery i found them all i could desire more than i had hoped they behaved gloriously and deserve all praise the testimony thus inaugurated runs like a cord of gold through the web and woof of the history of the negro as a soldier from that day to their final charge the last made at clover hill virginia april ninth eighteen sixty five necessarily the first actions in which the negro bore a part commanded most attention friends and enemies were looking eagerly to see how they would acquit themselves and so it comes to pass that the names of fort wagner olustee millikens Bend, port hudson and port pillow are as familiar as bull run antietam shiloh and gettysburg and while those first experiences were mostly severe reverses they were by that very fact splendid exemplar friars of the truth that the Negroes could be relied upon to fight under the most adverse circumstances against any odds and could not be discouraged let us glance for a moment at port hudson louisiana in may eighteen sixty three assaulted by general banks with a force of which the first and second regiments louisiana native guards formed a part when starting upon their desperate mission colonel stafford of the first regiment in turning over the regimental colors to the color guard made a brief and patriotic address closing with the words color guard protect defend die for but do not surrender these colors the gallant flag sergeant Planquianos taking them replied colonel i will bring back these colors to you in honor or report to god the reason why six times with desperate valor they charged over ground where success was hopeless a deep bayou between them and the works of the enemy at the point of attack rendering it impossible to reach them yet strange to say six times they were ordered forward and six times they went to useless death until swept back by the blazing breath of shot and shell before which nothing living could stand here fell the gallant captain black as the ace of spades refusing to leave the field though his arm had been shattered by a bullet he returned to the charge until killed by a shell a soldier limping painfully to the front was halted and asked where he was going he replied i'm shot bad in and they want me to go to de hospital but i guess i can give em a little more yet the colors came back but crimsoned with the blood of the gallant black who reported to god from that bloody field shall we glance from this to milliken's bend louisiana in january eighteen sixty three garrisoned by the ninth and eleventh louisiana and the first mississippi all negroes and about a hundred and sixty of the twenty third iowa white about eleven hundred fighting men in all attacked by a force of six confederate regiments crushed out of their works by sheer weight of numbers borne down toward the levee fighting every step of the way hand to hand clubbed musket bayonets and swords from three a m to twelve noon they fought desperately until a union gunboat came to the rescue and shelled the desperate foe back to the woods with a total loss to the defenders of four hundred and thirty-seven men two-fifths of their strength shall we turn with sadness to fort wagner south carolina in july eighteen sixty three when the fifty-fourth massachusetts won its deathless fame and its grand young commander colonel robert Gouldshaw, passed into the temple of immortality after a march of all day under a burning sun and all night through a tempest of wind and rain drenched exhausted hungry they wheeled into line without a murmur for that awful charge that dance of death that struggle against hopeless odds and the shattered remnants were hurled back as from the mouth of hell leaving the dead bodies of their young commander and his noble followers to be buried in a common grave its total loss was about one-third of its strength here was that the gallant flag sergeant kearney though grievously wounded bore back his flag to safety and fell fainting and exhausted with loss of blood saying boys the old flag never touched the ground or another glance at ill-starred olusty where the gallant eighth united states colored troops lost eighty-seven killed to its effective fighting force the largest loss in any one colored regiment in any one action of the war and so on by fort pillow which let us pass a merciful silence and to honey hill south carolina perhaps the last desperate fight in the far south in which the thirty-second thirty-fifth and hundred and second united states colored troops and the fifty-fourth and fifty-fifth massachusetts infantry won fresh and fadeless laurels for splendid fighting against hopeless odds and insurmountable difficulties and then to nashville tennessee with its recorded loss of eighty-four killed and the effectives of the thirteenth united states colored troops these were all brilliant actions and they covered the actors with and reflected upon the race a blaze of glory but it was in the armies of the james and of the potomac that the true medal of the negro as a soldier rang out its clearest notes amid the tremendous diapasons that rolled back and forth between the embattled hosts here was war indeed upon its grandest scale and in all its infinite variety the tireless march under burning sun chilling frosts and driven tempests the lonely vigil of the picket under starless skies the Russian war of countless hosts to battle driven in the mad charge and the victorious shout that pursued the fleeing foe the grim determination that held its line of defences with set teeth bloodshot eye and strained muscle beating back charge after charge of the foe the patient labor in trench and mine on hill and in valley swamp and jungle with disease adding its horrors to the decimation of shot and shell here the negro stood in the full glare of the greatest searchlight part and parcel of the grandest armies ever mustered upon this continent competing side by side with the best and bravest of the union army against the flower of the confederacy the best and bravest of lee's army and losing nothing in the contrast never again while time lasts will the doubt arise as in eighteen sixty one will the negro fight as a problem it has been solved as a question it has been answered as a fact it is as established as the eternal hills it was the negroes who rang up the curtain upon the last act of the bloody tragedy at petersburg virginia june fifteenth eighteen sixty four and they who rang it down at clover hill virginia april ninth, eighteen sixty-five. they were one of the strong fingers upon the mighty hand that grasped the giant's throat at petersburg and never flexed until the breath went out at appomattox in this period it would take page on page to recount their deeds of valor and their glorious victories see them on the fifteenth of june eighteen sixty four carrying the outpost at baylor's field in early morning and all that long hot summer day advancing a few yards at a time then lying down to escape the fire from the works but still gradually creeping nearer and nearer until just as the sun went down they swept like a tornado over the works and started upon a race for the city close at the heels of the flying foe until mistakenly ordered back of this day's experience general writes no worse strain on the nerves of troops is possible for it is harder to remain quiet under cannon fire even though comparatively harmless than to advance against a storm of musketry general w f baldy smith speaking of their conduct says no nobler effort has been put forth to-day and no greater success achieved than that of the colored troops Or again at the terrible mine explosion of july thirtieth eighteen sixty four on the petersburg line and at the fearful slaughter of september twenty ninth eighteen sixty four at new market heights and fort harrison on this last date in the fourth united states colored troops out of a colored guard of twelve men but one came off the field on his own feet the gallant flag sergeant hilton the last to fall cried out as he went down boys save the colors and they were saved some ten or more years later in congress in the midst of a speech advocating the giving of civil rights to the negro general butler said referring to this incident there in a space not wider than the clerk's desk and three hundred yards long lay the dead bodies of five hundred and forty-three of my colored comrades slain in the defense of their country who had laid down their lives to uphold its flag and its honor as a willing sacrifice and as i rode along guiding my horse this way and that lest he should profane with his hoofs what seemed to me the sacred dead and as i looked at their bronze faces upturned in the shining sun as if in mute appeal against the wrongs of the country for which they had given their lives and whose flag had been to them a flag of stripes in which no star of glory had ever shone for them feeling i had wronged them in the past and believing what was the future duty of my country to them i swore to myself a solemn oath may my right hand forget its cunning and my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if ever i fail to defend the rights of the men who have given their blood for me and my country this day and for their race for ever and god helping me i will keep that oath history further repeats itself in the fact that in every war so far known to this country the first blood and in some cases the last also has been shed by the faithful negro and this in spite of all the years of bondage and oppression and of wrongs unspeakable under the sun there has nothing been known in the history of any people more marvellous than these facts oh to the living few comrades be just be true hail them as heroes tried fight with them side by side never in field or tent scorn the black regiment it is but a little thing to ask they could ask no less be just but oh the shame of it for those who need be asked there is no need for panegyric for sounding phrases or rounded periods the simple story is eloquent with all that is necessary to make the heart swell with pride in the hour allotted me to fill it is possible only to indicate in skeleton the worth of the negro as a soldier if this brief sketch should awaken even a few to interest in his achievements and one be found willing and fitted to write the history that is their due that writer shall achieve immortality end of section twenty one